Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to another edition of That's Your Opinion with Chicken Smoot. And once again, shockingly, half of us is here. And that would be the chick part, because Smoot is, apparently he's just uh, running route somewhere trying to get some better coverage. I'm not sure what he's doing, but we are absolutely excited to be joined by, and this is going to be my favorite thing to say, Hall of Famer, Drew Pearson. So, uh, and from the Dallas Cowboys, obviously those who know the NFL know Drew's story. We'll get into my personal uh, story a little bit later on, um, but it's never going to get old to hear it. The question is, Drew, have you now figured out how to do that autograph with the HOF? <laughs> yeah, that was no problem, Chick. Uh, that came actually almost came naturally, you know, once you get that word that you're in and then you got to wait till you get the OK so that you can use the HOF. Right. You don't want to disrespect the guys that are in there. So you got to get the word. They say it's OK. Once they said it was OK. And that was uh, that Saturday before the Super Bowl. And I've been writing that HOF 20021 ever since, ever since, brother. I, it's got to be weird. You waited a really long time to get in. Then you knew you were in and couldn't say anything. How difficult was it to keep your lips tight on that one? Oh, chick, that was tough. That was really tough. You know, I played against some tough defensive backs in my day, but nothing was tougher than this, okay? I found out on January 25th, and so you know when the Super Bowl was yeah. in, in February. And we had to hold it in all that time. And uh, it was very difficult to do because, you know, you see this, you know, my jaws were bursting to tell somebody, <laughs> you know, because this is something you wait all your life for. You get the opportunity, and thing they tell you, you can't tell anybody. So I had to tell my, my, uh, my two kids, my adult kids, and I made them swear to secrecy that they wouldn't tell my grandkids because, you know, these kids nowadays are Absolutely. all over the Internet and stuff like that. <laughs> and something just might le might leak out, you know, but then leaked out. And that just goes to show you, Chick, the, uh, the integrity and the character of the class that I'm going in with, with the Peyton Manning, the, the Calvin Johnson, the John Lynch, the Woodson, the Tom Flores, the Bill Nunn, you know, Alpha Necca, man, you know, no one let the cat out of the bag. We held it all in until we were told we could talk about it. And, uh, but that was the hardest thing for me to do. And I'm sure the other guys, uh, it was difficult for them to do as well. Right. Especially John Lynch, because he had been told, when he heard that knock chick, he had been told seven times, seven times, you didn't make it. Wow. And he finally heard it the eighth time and, and he got in. Wow. He got in. All right, well, I'm yeah. hopefully uh, Mr. Smoot will join us in a minute because I want to get into deeper on the Hall of Fame stuff. But the, the big news out of Big D uh, is the quarterback situation has been fixed. It has been signed, sealed, delivered. Dak Prescott, four years, $164 million, I think 126 guaranteed. So the question I pose to you, there it is. That's the nice headline, Dak's jackpot. Boy, that's a huge Headlines jackpot. Headlines in, in the Dallas paper. That's spectacular. That is spectacular. That's a huge jackpot. I just want to be 
I just want to be his drive. I just want to be his driver. You know, I carry his bag around or something like that. So does Keep that him out of trouble or whatever? So that does you that know? put the pressure now? Is that is that a Super Bowl or bust quarterback? Uh, excuse me, Super Bowl or bust contract for the quarterback? I mean, within his really three four years of this deal, he has to get a Super Bowl victory in order for this thing to make sense. Uh, you know. Uh, that's probably the uh, criteria for every quarterback mm-hmm. that plays in the NFL. Uh, but when you get this kind of money, as you saw with Jerry Goff and Carson Wentz, uh, you get this kind of money, expectations certainly do go up. There is no question about that. But here in Dallas, we've always had those expectations. Even though we haven't lived up to those expectations in a long time, you know, that's always there. But this is a, a guy that, uh, you can trust, okay? It's the money. He's not going to go crazy. He's not going to go off. He's not going to change his personality or anything like that. And now that he has this money, he feels that he has something to prove. Mm-hmm. So that means now going in, he's got to prove that he's overcome that uh, gruesome injury he suffered. Yeah. And now he's got to prove that he, he's worthy of this type of contract. So, you know, he should be motivated going into the season and we'll see how that plays out. All right, let's give uh, the fans some perspective, if you would be so kind. What was your best, your biggest contract? At least give me the ballpark if you don't want to be too particular. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind because it is what it is, or it was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Chick, my first year salary, I started out at $14,500. What? Okay. That was my base salary my rookie year in the NFL. And I started the 10th game of my rookie year. So I played for games as a starter and then two playoff games at $14,500. Wow. Okay? And then my last year in the league, 11 years later, 11 years later, I maxed out at two twenty-five. Okay. And you know what? I went in there uh, to try to ne- renegotiate the contract, trying to get maybe 300, 350, you know? You know what Gil Grant told me? He said, Drew, you think you should make more than Roger Staubach? And I said, Roger's not making more oh than 300? Gosh, wow. <laughs> I was like, whoa. And so you now you're like, you know, you're ta- yeah, I know. Now your tail is between your legs in that meeting with the, a lesser figure. And the last thing he says is, Drew, don't tell Tony Hill what you're making because you're making so much more. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> and then he'll tell Tony Hill, don't tell Drew what you're don't right. tell Drew what you're making because you're making so much more. Right. But that's how they did business back then. And you know, you know, Chick, I played eleven seasons. I went on strike four times in eleven seasons to try to get the respect of the union and try to get those salaries uh, where they are today. In 1982, we had a work stoppage. We quit playing in the in the middle of the season yeah. in October. We sacrificed that time and that money. I sacrificed six games off of my career. I finished with 489 catches. Yeah. I played those six games. I'm over 500. I'm over 9,000 yards. I'm over 50 touchdowns. Maybe I would have gotten the Hall of Fame a little sooner. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's made the sacrifice for what these guys are getting nowadays. And, uh, and, you know, they don't understand that, but uh, we're just happy that, you know, the money's being distributed way that the players are getting their fair share now. Yeah, I remember 1982, especially folks here in D.C. remember it well because that's when Joe Gibbs led the replacements 
uh, back and faced yes. and faced a bunch of your, the guys that crossed the line, if I recall, uh, for Dallas. Yeah, we had a lot of guys. We had Randy White. We had uh, Dorsett. Uh, but we forgave them you know, because they had uh, a deferred payment contract, mm-hmm. and they would have lost those contracts if they would have played if they would not have played in those games. And so those contracts were the way we were getting security back in the day. You know, you sign a contract and then you get deferred payments on that contract, maybe 15 to 20 years out. The Cowboys might still be paying Randy White right now <laughs> and Tony Dorsett. But they had to play because of that. But, yeah, uh, Buddy Ryan and Joe Gibbs, they re- played the replacement players and all that. And, of course, uh, everybody got on us <clears throat> because we had – two future hall of famers yeah. playing at that time. And, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't like that. They didn't like that. <laughs> certainly, certainly folks in DC consider Drew Pearson, a, a red skin. I did it. There it is. I said the R word as a dollar in the jar for me, uh, a Washington, a Washington killer. Um, and I, I wonder if you have, have you ever had a conversation with Kenny stone since you caught that bomb from Clint Longley on Thanksgiving day? Have you ever had a conversation after the fact? No, no, that's the first time I've heard his name, and I don't know how long. <laughs> uh, Kenny Stone, uh, but no, I haven't had a conversation with him or anybody with the Redskins. Probably the the most recent conversation I had with anybody might have been Charlie Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, and that's been so long ago. And let me tell you, Charlie Taylor is one of my idols coming through. You know, when I'm on that sideline playing my first game at RFK, standing on that sideline, yeah. guess who I'm looking for? I'm not looking for the defensive backs, Kenny Houston and those guys. I'm looking for Charlie Taylor. Really? You know, I wanted to get his autograph. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I had a lot of respect for him. But, no, I, I haven't – no. I haven't talked to uh, any of the Redskins other than my man, Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann, you know, we went to high school together. So, we stay in touch via text and stuff like that. And I hope to get him on my podcast like you were on right. recently on my podcast, The Ultimate Hail Mary. And I hope to get Joey on that because we're still friends and, you know, still got that competitive nature, of course, but we know how to put that aside for friendship. That's for sure. So was it Thiesman in high school? <laughs> yes, it was Thiesman. <laughs> Joey Thiesman. And he went to Notre Dame. Dame. He almost went to North Carolina State wow. because our head coach at that time was a North Carolina North Carolina State alum, and he was a quarterback. And so he was leading Joey to North Carolina State. But all of a sudden, here comes Notre Dame into the picture. And Joey, being a devout Catholic and all that, you know, he was going to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. All he needed was the, the word, you know, we want you. And so he went to Notre Dame. But once there, now he has a chance chance to win the Heisman Trophy. So he, okay, he changed his name from Thiesman to Theisman to rhyme with Heisman, okay? Perfect. You got to understand when I say he, because Joey was like that. He was pretty aggressive kind of guy. <laughs> and uh, he didn't hold back on some of his words, especially uh, when they were talking about himself. But anyway, we were great teammates. Chick, we played ba- uh, football together where he was the quarterback. I was the receiver. We played basketball together where we were the backward. And we played baseball together where he was the shortstop and I was the second base. Oh, wow. So we spent a lot of time together throughout uh, his uh, senior year and my sophomore year in high school. 
Wow, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah. Did, and it, let me tell you, Chick, he was a pretty darn good baseball player. I'm sure. I'm sure. You I, can go in that hole and throw you out deep in that hole, that arm. Woo. Yeah, yes. He, yes. He, he had a rocket. Um, and he's uh, – did you play quarterback in high school after he left? Yeah, after he left. After uh, I uh, replaced Joey, I was the best athlete on the team, so that's why they made me a quarterback. I played quarterback on the freshman team, and then my first year in varsity, I started a, and safety on defense by ways. And we played the varsity game on Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. kickoffs. And I would play that whole game, Chick. And then on Monday afternoon after school, I would play the JV game <laughs> at quarterback just to get groomed to replace Joey. So I was playing two games a week, which is why I still got this twitch now in my head. You know, too much football back there. But, uh, but, uh, but anyway, you're so young, Chick, that back then you, you, don't, you don't know the difference, you know? You, you know what you say? Can I play another game? Is there another game I could play? Right. So that's the way it was back in the day. Yeah, I, look, I remembered. I, in my high school, I, you know, I told you before, 11th grade, I was a wide receiver, and I, and I walked pigeon-toed because of you, uh, my idol, back right. in the day. But, you know, 12th grade, I was quarterback, free safety, uh, holder. So I missed one play of all 12 games or 10 games, what it was, for when I got knocked wow. out for one play. And I just remember when I went back and thought about it, it's like I was on the field – 24 7 and it's uh it's a, but that's when your body yeah. can take it right um well fred smooth uh, officially sucks right now just so you know he's officially okay. he officially sucks uh let's hey, get tell into fred he didn't have he didn't tell fred he he didn't have to sh- not show up tell him i'm not gonna run that post corner on him <laughs> i'm gonna lighten up man you're the kind of you're the kind of receiver that would bother him uh he said he loved the big guys covering the big guys uh but the smaller guys mm-hmm. just you know he had a problem with um um, not that you were smaller, but smaller than, say, a, a big old uh, Megatron, Calvin Johnson. Um, I want to ask, so the Hall of Fame stuff, um, you know, you waited a long time for that to take place. Uh, and Fred, I know if he would come on here, would ask you, do you think politics, what's the politics of the Hall of Fame? Do you think that that plays a part in, like, we had, you know, Washington had Art Monk, who wasn't generally media friendly. And they, they say that that took... That's why it took so long for Art Monk to get in. What, what do you think? Yeah, Chick, let me say this first. Uh, I respect the Hall of Fame voters, you know, the Pro Football Hall of Fame voting committee, because it is a tough job, you know. I mean, look at all the great players that, you know, aren't in. You know, I cry my my blues, you know, but look how many players that are crying their blues and no one's hearing them, you know. I cried mine and somebody heard me, and next thing you know, I'm in in the Hall of Pro Football Hall of Fame. So I respect the Pro Football Hall of Fame voting committee. Even when I didn't get in a year ago this past January and everybody in the world saw me crying on national TV and social media, you know, I still told Mr. Baker, I respect the process. Don't change the process because of me, you know, because so many guys uh, have gone through the process and they deserve that respect. So with that said, there is some politics and there is biases in the voting process. There's no question about it. And I've heard that firsthand from some of the voters. And the reason is because the vote is not transparent. Right. If they made the vote transparent, the voting would be come out a little differently. 
So if you have a bias against the Cowboys, you say, well, we got three Cowboys going in this year. We don't need any more. And that's it. You know, even though somebody might deserve it, but they don't see the votes. They never see the votes. They mm-hmm. never see the tally. They just know the results when they're announced. And so anyway, if they uh, clean up the uh, <clears throat> anyway, the voting process in any way, uh, make it uh, uh, transparent and less biased and a way to do that, excuse me, make it less political mm-hmm. and less biased. And the way to do that is to make it less transparent. Uh, you're doing a podcast. Make it more transparent. More transparent. Yes, me. got it. Yeah. Uh, your podcast, the yeah, Ultimate yeah. Hail Mary yeah. podcast. Obviously, it's one of the plays <laughs> that you are certainly well known for. Uh, I asked you about Kenny Stone. Have yeah. you ever talked to Nate Wright, the guy who you beat on that Hail Mary? <laughs> uh, yes, I talked to him a couple times. I even went to San Diego when I was working for a local TV station in uh, in San Antonio, and we did a 20th anniversary. Uh, 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 documentary documentary on, on the catch in right. Hail Mary. We went to Minnesota in the Mall of Americas where the old stadium used to be and, you know, did a stand-up there and all that kind of stuff, talked to people in Minnesota about the, the play. Then we went to San Diego to visit with Nate Wright. And let me tell you, Chick, he was really a nice guy. Yeah. I was like, damn, I would hate, I sure hate to catch a Hail Mary on this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so he was very cordial and he never said I, he never said I pushed him and he's sitting down the field, came around and next thing you know, he said I was on the ground and yeah, you know, there was contact, but there was no deliberate push, Chick. And uh, so anyway, we got together again here in Dallas. We flew him into Dallas to do a radio interview along with Roger Staubach and myself. Mm -hmm. And he started getting a little indignant then, okay? Really? I said, you come all the way to Dallas to start talking that noise now. (laughs) And so let's go out to the parking lot. I got my quarterback here. Let's go out to the parking lot and let's settle this right now. (laughs) But yeah, I talked to Nate Right. And he's a great guy and he's had a great career with the Minnesota Vikings. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, he's noted for, you know, that play. Sure. You know, for me, it's a positive for him. It's a negative. Right. And as folks yep. who are watching this can see, I've got the actual play right behind me, the both autographed by Stallback and right. Pearson. Um, and you just said, Nate Wright said, you know, I, you didn't push off. There was contact. We didn't push off. I'm, I'm when I go online and when the anniversary comes up, um, I mean, the vitriol still from Vikings fans is unbelievable, Drew. I mean, it's like they just you ruined my life and blah blah blah. I'm like, wow, it's a, it's a football game, people. But you know, obviously, it changed a lot of lives. It certainly did. It was a memorable football game in a lot of ways. Of course, you know, they were the Vikings. They were the best team in the NFC East. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me, in the NFC uh, conference. That's why we had to go play them. We were a wild card team that year. Uh, we finished 10 and four. No one gave us a chance we're playing in the frozen tundra metropolitan stadium. <laughs> we're playing a veteran Viking team, you know? And so no one gave us a chance, but we had a knockdown drag out game and we ended up winning it uh, by a hell Mary with 28 seconds left in the game. But I say this is memorable because of that play. Yeah. And then after that play, someone in the stands threw a whiskey bottle, and hit the uh, the uh, uh, sideline judge in the head and knocked him cold, and blood comes gra- gra- gushing out of his head. And then somebody, after making the catch, threw an orange at me, yeah. trying to hit me and miss me doing that. I thought <laughs> the orange might have been a flag. I did too. 
but I've never seen a flag roll. When that, <laughs> hit the gr- when that orange hit the ground, chick, it started rolling. I said, that got to be touchdown Dallas. <laughs> and then here's the final irony of that game. Fran Tarkington, God bless him, you know, much respect for him. You know, he lost his dad that day yeah. of the game, the Hail Mary game. And you know what his dad's name was? Of course I do. His dad's name was Dallas. Dallas Tarkington. Yeah. Yes. And let me show you something. All right. Let me get back on screen. Right. Here's a here's a Viking helmet that I that I I I bought at an auction. Nobody was bu- uh, buying it, right. uh, uh, bidding on it. So I bid on it because the guy promised me that he would get Fran Tarkington to autograph it, and he did, and he got it back to me. Here's what Fran Tarkington said. He said, "Drew, you were the greatest clutch receiver of all time. Your hail mary clutch catch changed the world. God bless Fran Tarkington." Wow. How classy is that? Very classy. Yeah. And much props to Fran Tarkington. No question about that. That's the kind of guys, that's the kind of guys we played against back in the day. You know, guys that were loyal, guys that were respectful to each other, guys that were respectful to the game, you know, and gave a lot to the game to make the game what it is today. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I got to go back to the, to the uh, uh, Thanksgiving day uh, miracle over Kenny Stone. Clint Longley didn't last very long, did he? No, he didn't. Did he? Did he really punch? Did he really punch Rogers? <laughs> me, punch uh, you know, Clint. Oh yeah, yeah. He threw a punch at Roger, and uh, uh, it was a situation when nobody was expecting it. They had gotten to an altercation before that, that day before. Wow. And uh, Roger kind of got the best of Clint. You know, Roger pulled out his milk. Mil- Military stuff, you know. (laughs) Next thing you know, Clint is down on the ground. His head was in the ground. His feet were pointing to the air before everybody got over there to break him up. So Clint's going to retaliate. So he gets to the locker room early because quarterbacks, receivers, and kickers and holders had to be there early. And Roger was late getting there because he was doing something with Coach Landry in the city of Thousand Oaks. So Clint is there waiting for Roger. Soon as Roger gets there, he's changing uh, in a hurry puts on his shoulder pads, gets ready to put on his shoulder pads, and Clint springs off that chair and punches Roger right in the face. Roger goes sprawling, hits his head on the scale that we had there to weigh in and weigh out before each and every practice. And next thing, blood comes running out of his head, and now Roger's going berserk. I've never seen him like this chick, Mm -hmm. okay? I played with this guy in a lot of football games, but this fire that I saw in his eyes – he wanted to kill Clint Longley, okay? And he got up and saying, I'm okay, because we tried to stop the blood. He said, let me go, I'm okay. You know what he did after we let him go? He left that locker room chasing after Clint Longley. He wanted to fight <laughs> and bring him down. So anyway, that was the deal. Clint knew once he did that, yeah. it was all over as far as not only being a Dallas Cowboy, but as it turned out, it was all over being an NFL football player because yeah, no yeah. one touched him after that. Yeah. And Chick, he was a pretty good quarterback. You know, he just had this mindset that doing things a different way, doing things against the grain. And when Danny White came, he was kind of in between Roger and Danny White. Right. Danny White and Roger were pretty much kind of the same guys. Clint's the rebel. And so he uh, didn't like that, and he did did things like that, finding Roger to get out of town, right. thinking that he'd get picked up by another team. 
I think the Chargers uh, gave him a tryout. Sure. Uh, but that was it. Yeah. And now no one knows where Clint Longley is. That's the biggest question we get around here. Yeah. <laughs> where is Clint Longley? Really? Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> All right. Last two. Last two things. Uh, we talked about this on your podcast. So, uh, 1990-91, I'm covering a, a touch football game between the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys, the guys who used to play against each other and have the greatest rivalry in football. Now they are in a touch football game at RFK. And I'm covering this thing for a local station, and I'm excited because it's well-documented. I mean, I got the picture here. For those who can see, this is the picture (laughs) of us. Oh, gosh. Uh, Look at that, man. There it is. Look at that. I mean, that's ridiculous. They they see that afro. They see those pros. Hey, do you guys? No, there's a lot, a lot of work nice. goes into those. For, that's 1976. So I'm Absolutely. 13 years old. Wow. You just got the, you were in the pro bowl that year uh, for leading the NFC. Um, so here we are 1990 and we're talking 14, good Maryland math, 14 years later, you're playing in a touch football game. And all of a sudden I see you come to the sidelines <clears throat> and you are, you are pissed off because of all people, Pat Fisher has hit you in a touch football game and you come to the sideline. And I mean, I just was like, my mouth was agape because you just said words I, I'd heard before, but only in movies. And you were just <laughs> livid. And, and you told Roger, let's go. And you guys made, I think you made Pat Fisher puke on the sidelines after what you did to him. Well, I don't know if he puked or not, but I definitely wanted to get him after he got me. Okay. We were playing touch football, flag football. There's not supposed to be any hitting going on. We fellowship. We hung out the night before, all of us together, both teams together. And we're talking about just have fun out there. Make sure nobody gets hurt. But Chick, as soon as they start making the intros, and you know how that RFK, you know, those stands, <laughs> you know, rocking. And they were rocking when they introduced the, uh, uh, the football team. And because of that, I guess the guys got a little fired up. So Pat got a little fired up. And he was always a feisty guy anyway, okay? So I catch a pass, and he bar- he just tackles me. I mean, just drives me into the ground and all that. And I get up, I push him back, and I get up. And that's when I came to the bench fuming and upset. And I tell Roger, give me the next pass. And he did. And I jacked Pat Fisher. I gave him one of these. You see that? See that chicken wing? <laughs> I gave him one of these. And we're grappling. Now we're grappling on on the on the ground you know what he said drew you're not serious are you i said yeah man i want to kill you (laughs) but let me tell you chick i say that i say that with much respect for pat fisher okay he's definitely in my top five cornerbacks that i played against really and maybe in in my top three and he's one that doesn't get enough respect or enough mention for what he did uh as a cornerback at five eight you know and he wasn't fast at all I if I can outrun him then you know he's not that fast because that wasn't my forte <laughs> speed okay right. but he was smart and he was physical and that made a difference and he could anticipate you because he can read a lot of things that you were trying to do so much respect for Pat Fisher amen so, so folks in DC while they hated the Dallas Cowboys I think Anybody who had a brain respected you, respected Roger, respected Coach Landry. What was that like for you when you look back at going into the huddle with Roger Staubach or going through a game plan with Tom Landry? What was that like for you? Well, you know, Chick, they're probably uh, 
not the only reason, but probably the two biggest reason I'm going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, that I became a pro football player. You know, at Tulsa, I made all nothing, you know, <laughs> three years of uh, three years of uh, losing, three years of a head coach, three head coaches, three years wow. of probation at Tulsa. I didn't get drafted. 17 rounds of the draft. I come to the Cowboys uh, weighing about maybe 170, never wow. lifted a weight in my life <laughs> or anything. Uh, but I was in that environment and they told me, they showed me how to be a pro, you know, what I needed to do to make this Cowboy football team. And then once I made it, man, I'm playing with a quarterback like Roger Staubach. I played with him for eight seasons. He's a Hall of Famer, you know? Then he retired. Danny White comes in for three seasons. We don't miss a beat. We go to three straight NFC Championship games with Danny White at quarterback. We lost those three games, but it wasn't his fault, you know? He played. So anyway, you know, when you're around that kind of uh, talent, those kind of uh, people of character, uh, they kind of not only set the tone for you to be a pro on the field, but how to be a pro off the field as well and how to carry yourself. They were the big mentors in my adult life. Once I left Tulsa, they were my mentorship. And so I had to get in line with what they wanted to do and understand that this is going to make me better. And guess what? It did. When I scored a touchdown in that playoff game and I'm standing in the back of the end zone chick with my arms raised, it was an 83-yard touchdown in a playoff game against the Los Angeles Rams. And here, Drew, a year removed from Tulsa, you know, where I made yeah. all nothing, you know. Now I'm catching an 83-yarder in the playoff game, and I'm standing there after catching that chick with my arms raised, and all these Cowboys greats come down there to congratulate me for something I did to help them win a, this football game. And now I feel like I'm being accepted as a pro. And the first thing I said to myself right then and there, chick, if you surround yourself with successful people, then, hey, you got a chance to be a success yourself. The only thing that made me better was those people I was playing with. And I had to do what I had to do. Mm -hmm. But it was in the context of what they were all about that made me a better football player. Did Landry, if he was ticked at you, I, I remember hearing a story about if he was ticked at somebody, he'd like, I think you hurt yourself or something, or uh, you were, you came back to the huddle or the sidelines and said, I'm, he's drew a little dinged up. And he said, Oh, he's dinged up, is he? And he kind of ran you a few deep routes on purpose. Is that right? I scored it against the New York Giants. You know, every time we played the Giants, I'm from Jersey. I got super fired up. Right. I caught a touchdown on quick out. Oh, that's and I right. I couldn't I would throw the ball and spike it. And then end up throwing in the stands. I came down. I hyperextended my knee. So my teammates had to carry me back to the bench. As I'm going back to the bench, Coach Landry puts his eyes on me, and he's following me all the way to the bench. We kick off to them after scoring the touchdown. They come out, and they we get a turnover right away on the second play. So now we got to go back out there on the field, and I got to go back out there because I got to save face. So I go out there limping, okay? I'm limping, and here's how Coach Landry did things. I'm thinking we're in their territory. We're just going to run the ball in there, push it in the end zone. No, he called me on a post pattern. Fire 49, <laughs> wing geo, wing post. Now I'm the wing, and I limped through the post. I, I ran the post pattern like that. And Ray Rhodes, remember Ray Rhodes? Oh, yeah. Coach the Eagles and played defensive back with the Giants, coached with Green Bay. He was the defensive back. And I guess he thought me doing that was a move. 
you know, <laughs> because I did that and I finally broke to the post and Roger hit me for a 44 yard touchdown <laughs> after that. So I had to save face uh, in doing that because Coach Landry would have got on me big time for spiking the ball and acting like a fool in the end zone. Because you know what he would have said? He would have said, Drew, act like you've been there before. Okay, act like you've been there before. And that's how he was. Now you got me fired up, Chad. I like now it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> you know what fired me up and you don't get enough props for is Dorsett's 99 and a half yard touchdown run because it's you 85 yards down the field throwing that final block to give him that little space to get through. Never mentioned is Drew Pearson down the field 85 yards. It's Tony Dorsett ran it 99 and a half yards. Great play. And you guys, if I'm not mistaken, only had 10 guys on the field that play. Yeah, we had 10 guys on the field. Ron Springs was uh, not in where he should have been in at fullback. You know, it's a running situation. We just want to create some space there. We're on a one-yard line. And so uh, we get Tony in there, and he just runs a quick dive, quick handoff right up the middle. And, you know, Tony has that tremendous acceleration. And once he uh, hit that hole, I'm like jogging. I said, this play ain't going to work. Ten men on the field. I'm jogging, you know. <laughs> Next thing I know, I see him bust through the line. And I said, oh, man, I better pick it up. So I hit the guy in front of me and then took off downfield. And uh, I knew I'd be that last man for Tony. But here's the deal. I'm like a maybe a 4-6 at best kind of guy, mm-hmm. okay? Tony Dorsett's a 4-3, Okay. <laughs> You're talking about momentum and excitement and all that. I was out running Tony Dorsett <laughs> with a 4-6, okay? <laughs> and staying ahead of him. He's right here and I'm right there, you know? Anyway, Tony knew because we had, you know, run some, so many plays where he broke out into the open. He knew how to time me and, and judge me when I was going to throw. So we're taught as receivers, bump, bump, and then throw. And that's what I did. I bumped, bumped, and I threw it at the last guy. And Tony saw that, and it was just enough for him to get around that. And bam, uh, 99 yards for a touchdown. And Chick, I was the first one down there to congratulate him. Of course, I was the closest one to him, but I was the first one to congratulate him because you know what I said to myself? This film is going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. (laughs) No one's going to break this. This might be the only way I get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame on Tony Dorsett's 99-yard run. Well, (laughs) it's certainly not the only way you got in, obviously, with what happened this year. And your boy, or I mean, I don't know how close you are with Jerry Jones, but your boy, Roger. I've never seen Roger, by the way, in a scruffly beard. That stunned me. But he set you up, and he set you up really, really good. I mean, how how did that – you know, looking back on it now, were there signs? Did you see signs at all, or just you just got duped? Yeah, I got duped. I got played. And uh, if I'm going to get played, play me for that that reason. Uh, <laughs> but, no, they, they, they had wrote a letter to Roger and I uh, from Mr. Jones requesting us to, to meet with him uh, on January 25th at his office. We both confirmed. We both went over there at the same time. We both went into the uh, meeting room at the same time. We're both sitting across the table from Mr. Jones talking, mostly real estate. I'm scratching my bald head wondering why I'm here. You know, I'm thinking they're going to include me in something, all that big money they're making in the real estate business. Mm-hmm. I thought they would include me some way. Uh, but then they, all of a sudden there was a knock on the door and uh, Jerry Jones, Mr. Jones told me to go answer the door. I went to answer the door and in that door well was David Baker. And you know what? He filled up that door well. He's a big Ooh, man. Big, big. And uh, I knew he wasn't there to tell me nothing bad because, yes. 
And if he was there to tell me some bad news, he might not have made it out of Dallas, okay? <laughs> no, but he was there to tell me some good news. And I remember it like yesterday when he stuck out his hand and he said, Drew, I'd like to welcome as the newest senior member to the Pro Football Hall of Fame for the class of 2021. Now you join an immortal team that a team that you will be a part of for the rest of your life. And man, boom. And I started crying and everything because now the first thing I think about Chick, you know, is not what I meant, when, not what the play as a Dallas Cowboy. First thing I'm thinking about is the journey, how I got there. Pop Warner football at seven years old, you know, South River High School, Tulsa, and all the things that I had to overcome to get to that point. And then you're like, ah, oh, it's the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mission accomplished. Oh, Okay, work done. I don't have anything left to accomplish. I'm in eight Hall of Fames. This makes eight Hall of Fames that I'm in. But of course, all due respect to the other ones, this is the one. This yeah. is the one, that crown jewel of Hall of Fames. And now I'm there. So now, I, you know, I'm, it's complete. My career is complete. And uh, you can kick dirt on me right now, Chick, and I'm okay. I'm okay because it's been a good ride. It's been a good ride. Hood, hood. <laughs> well, he is the Hall of Famer, Drew Pearson. You can catch him on the uh, Ultimate Hail Mary podcast with Drew Pearson. I, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, as I've told you before, growing up, you're the guy that I try to pattern myself after uh, when it came to playing football. Uh, and I got emotional, too, when, when I saw Dave Baker in that piece of film. As I told you before, my wife looked at me and said, oh, your guy's going in. And I just sat there with a quiver lip. It's like, this is right ridiculous. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, and to, to, you know, oftentimes when you, and we haven't physically met, we've met via, you know, TV and via Zoom. Oftentimes when you meet your, your, your idols from back in the day, you know, it doesn't go as planned. But I can tell you now um, right. that I am, I am honored and blessed to be able to have this media relationship with you. Um, and so happy that you're going to be going into Canton. Um, I, I only wish that there was, you know, no pandemic and it'd be a full-fledged thing yeah. but uh yeah. doesn't matter it doesn't take away from what you accomplished <laughs> and as you said mission accomplished so I, I really appreciate your time yeah you got it chick you know we go way back you know i was working in a local tv station here in dallas and we did some things back then and i appreciate the support i appreciate being the guy that you looked up to back in the day when you were coming through with the pigeon toes and everything else and so uh and it's good to be with you now so here we are all that time later. We're still doing our thing and uh, we're still being blessed. And that's what it's all about. So it's good to be with you, my brother. That's for sure. Hood, hood. And tell Smooth, tell Smooth next time. Show up. Hood, 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 hood. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.